what is going on? Welcome to the Get a Grip podcast here on Sports Handle. Not your normal, um, easygoing voice on the intro, I guess. Not that, uh, you know, mine is bad or anything like that, but the sports consigliere, uh, Dave Sherapan, he's got the week off. He is out in Philadelphia. It looks like it's uh, softball season out there for the uh, Sherapan household. So uh, it's Dan Bach in the driver's seat today. And joining me is Brett Smiley, the editor-in-chief and co-founder there of Sports Handle. And that's, of course, where you can find this podcast at Sports Handle on Twitter and SportsHandle.com. And Brett, you know, last week or two weeks ago, I should say, you came out of the bullpen and did a great job, you know, covering for me while I was out in Michigan. Um, well, times have changed because it's been two weeks and I'm going to need to uh, basically check your shirt, check your pants, check your headband to make sure you don't have any foreign substances coming from the bullpen here because, you know, that's that's the thing that's happening in baseball right now. So it might as well be happening in podcasting. What's going on, my man? I am ready to disrobe right now. If, if that's what we're doing, I thought I'd have a few minutes to warm up. And actually, by the way, Sharapan was at that Phillies Nationals game last night where Scherzer uh, was displeased to say the best and Joe Girardi almost started a fight. So it's a softball and baseball trip and they got to see a, a good one, certainly uh, a, um, what is it called, inflection point for MLB and they're rolling out this uh, foreign substance check and enforcement situation. Yeah, I mean, very memorable game for sure. And, uh, it, you know, if you're new to this podcast, we talk sports betting. We're going to get into this uh, here in just a moment. We've got a lot of great things on the docket because so much has happened just even in the last few days for us to talk about, whether it's Canada, Florida, uh, D.C. Uh, I went to Michigan, had some sports betting experience. So uh, I'm excited to kind of chat about all this stuff. And that's what this podcast is about, the sports betting uh, industry, given our thoughts, our opinions on this ever evolving industry that we are in. Uh, but before we do that, I, you know, I, I'm happy that I get to do the show with you today, Brett, because, you know, I obviously last listened to the show a couple of weeks ago when you filled in for me. And uh, I noticed that you took a little pot shot about, um, you know, being stronger than me, that we need to do some sort of bench press off. And, you know, the, the, when I heard that, I obviously hadn't seen the video and I've known you for a while. You're pretty, you know, fit kind of, I would say stocky guy, but it looks like you've spent some time in the gym. Stock, stocky is right. And that's also true. Yes. So, but here, here's the thing that came in my head. Were you, are you the guy? Cause I think you are. And I don't know if you'd even admit it if you were, but I believe you're the guy who likes to wear the weight belt when they go into <laughs> the weight room, you know, the, the, the weight belt that the, that the, uh, the bodybuilders do. Uh, and there's always a couple of guys in the gym who has that weight belt because they're afraid they're going to, they're going to throw out their back. I think that's you smiley. I could see you as that guy at the gym. Well, first of all, I, that is not what I thought you were referencing when you said uh, you had pegged me uh, as what type of gym guy. Uh, it's been a while since I've been a, been a nutritional gym. I, I now do CrossFit have for three years and yes, occasionally for a squat. Well, not occasionally, but for squat day and, uh, and, and deadlifting day, I will bring a bell. Yeah. Come on. Listen, you, you've, you've passed <laughs> 40. I'm almost at 40. I need to protect my back. I know when to pull back a little bit. Now there's nothing wrong with the weight belt. Don't shame the weight belt. And oh, Man, I knew it. Just by looking at you, I knew you were that guy. So I, I feel validated. I feel validated. And no, we're not going to get in any sort of weightlifting competition if you've been doing CrossFit for three years. That's, that's not going to happen. That is not going to happen because I'm a guaranteed loser in that situation. And I don't put myself in losing situations if, uh, if I can avoid it at all costs. So, okay, now that we got that out of the way, let's get into some of the hot news in sports betting. And, you know, I think one of the biggest pieces that just dropped yesterday happened north of the border where Canada, uh, it's been a while, but they finally got it done. Single game sports betting will be um, allowed. Now let's put this into context with exactly what that means, Brett, because, 
you know, I believe Canada is set up like the states in that, you know, we every state will be different and every province potentially will be different. But now they have the actual ability to regulate and license individual sports betting uh, in each province and allow it beyond a parlay, which they currently do. So uh, explain exactly like what took place and, and how big of a deal this is for the sports betting landscape here in North America. Yeah, we'll start with the last point. It is a pretty big deal, at least in terms of uh, demographics and numbers. Canada uh, as a country has about 38 million people, which is roughly California. So in terms of the uh, operators seeking entry, that's a pretty enormous opportunity. By way of background, they've been working on this for, for a number of years. You know, they've had that Delaware style parlay wagering and certainly a lot of activity offshore. Um, it's certainly been an adventure for us here uh, in the US trying to understand how, how their government works. And there's uh, even a procedure called uh, proroguing or something like that uh, that, was, that was used here. But uh, it, was, it was a buzzer beater as my colleague, Matt Rebeltowski put it. And um, a couple of guys, a Canadian that we were in touch with thought it might not happen, but it did. And um, from what I understand, uh, it will be up to each of the uh, five provincial lottery corporations uh, to determine how it works. So uh, that's, that's what's next on the agenda. And that will, so it may vary quite a bit from province to province. But it would be a monstrous deal if California was ever to get sports betting. Like you mentioned, like the entire country, you know, is pretty close. I think it's a little bit less than what California has. But again, um, like you discussed, it, it's not going to be like open for business across the you know entire country. It's going to take some time. What do we believe the timeline is? And, you know, how competitive a market do you think this is going to be for operators and for customers? Because, you know, we've seen, especially here lately um, in, in states like Florida and in New York, where you know, some of these plans that people are rolling out in terms of their sports betting per, on the state levels, not maybe what's in the best interest uh, of the consumer or the operator, just in terms of collecting taxes. Do we have any idea on the way that, you know, the Canadian, I guess, provincial lottery people are looking at sports betting um, from your perspective? Do we have any insight on that? At this point, I think we don't know more than we do. Uh, probably the easiest way to put it at this point is that I think uh, each of the provinces will be operating uh, akin to U.S. states. And, and as we know, the experience and the number of sports books uh, and the taxation, how it works in each of the states is, is pretty variable. Now for New, New Hampshire, for example, they have only drafting sports book because the lottery there determined that they could get the highest revenue share there. Whereas I'm in New Jersey, you were just in Michigan and there's over 20 online sportsbook available. Uh, so it is going to vary pretty drastically, I think for, for the consumer as well as the, the operators uh, seeking to get in. And, and BetMGM and all the usual suspects have put out statements, you know, um, celebrating the lawmakers for getting, uh, for getting it done and certainly wanting an opportunity in. I guess it's possible that, uh, you know, the Canadian base, the score and perhaps others with stronger ties to Canada might get some preferential treatment, but uh, yeah, it's, there's a lot of questions and more questions than answers at this point. Yeah. And the score is interesting. You know, that that's a uh, company that is, you know, founded, uh, I believe up in Canada, headquartered up in Canada. And everybody seems to believe like this is their path to running a successful sports betting operation, because to this point, they've been a pretty non-factor in the U.S. sports betting world, is that is that a fair assessment, or is that is that too too harsh on them at this point? Because I I, I personally don't hear hardly anybody talking about them when people talk sports betting here in the U.S. But the prevailing feeling I'm getting from a lot of people is that Canada could be a completely different story. So what's your feeling about this? You know, Canada the score connection and you mentioned inside track. I mean, could it could it even get to a point where they get a monopoly in terms of running 
Canadian sports books for a certain province? I mean, I, again, it's just conjecture and guessing, but is that even on the table, you think? I'll start with the scores performance in the U.S. And uh, I'll preface that by saying that I, I'd used the score just as a purely scores app for a long time. I thought it was quite good. But their performance in the U.S. so far, they're in Jersey. I think they're in Colorado. Everyone's in Colorado and a few other states has been pretty underwhelming. In fact, I think they're actually managing to, to lose money. I think their operations are pretty robust. Um, and uh, they've certainly not met my expectations. And I can't imagine that they've met their own and don't know how much sway they have uh, with any of the uh, decision makers in, in Canada. I would think that there's some favor and kudos to their PR people because they certainly get uh, their executives quoted everywhere. But uh, a couple of Canadians who, are, who I won't name have said that they're they're quite surprised by uh, how it's regarded in the U.S. Uh, overestimating a bit. So uh, I don't know. I'm a little more bearish on on their overall picture, but if they have any advantage, it ought to be in Canada. Yeah, and that's kind of my feeling too. And maybe that's potentially what they were waiting for is for this this shoe to drop and and they can now be more aggressive on the customer acquisition front knowing that hey you know we might be in a a very lucrative spot depending on how legislation goes you know up there in Canada but um we've also seen you know pretty much every operator put out a statement saying oh we're looking forward to serving Canada I saw DraftKings had one points bet had one and points bet went out and actually hired Nick Solsky who um, is Canadian and was one of the guys behind Monkey Knife Fight, who recently sold to Bally's, I believe it was. Um, and uh, you know, they basically put him in charge of their their Canadian operations. So I think it's it's definitely a market that people are interested in because you know, unlike the U.S., where yeah, there's always been gambling. For example, we know that people were betting with bookies and offshore, but there was a a a regulated way for them to bet, even if it was just through parlay betting. And, you know, I found a lot of people in the fantasy and the betting space, and, and there's quite a few who uh, are north of the border here. So, you know, I think it's, I think it's actually going to be a better market than maybe people make it out to be. And, and I think the sports books know that, and they probably, especially places like FanDuel and DraftKings who have been running DFS in north of the board they've got a pretty good idea about what type of customer they they potentially are going to have um up there as well so you know i think this is this is a boon to you know operators the affiliates and uh and obviously the customers up there because you know parlay betting we know how hard it is to win parlays and if that's all you have to bet let's face it that kind of sucks yeah there's a lot of betters in canada estimates are about uh 15 to 20 million bet annually of in, uh, in that parlay market as well as offshore. And I think one of the things that got got this uh, across the finish line is the CFL through, uh, through some might behind it as well as the, the US-based leagues. And we know how popular football is. And so the CFL ought to benefit quite a bit. And I'll be interested to see how much hockey betting there is. Cause you know, we know here in the US I think it's like two to 4% of the overall handle I would imagine in Canada, it ought to be like 20 plus percent. Yeah. Easy. Uh, yeah. And the last thing I'll add, it's, you know, we call it equivalent to California, which is huge, but to put it in slightly alternate perspective, 38 million people is basically Pennsylvania plus Illinois plus New York. And uh, yeah. So, so it's just, massive. right. Um, all right. And before we get off of Canada, final question for you, uh, yay or nay, thumbs up, thumbs down on poutine. <laughs> I have no thoughts at all on, on poutine. I will say that every experience I've had in Canada has been phenomenal. Uh, Canada may be the site of the first adult entertainment club. I, I went to uh, adjacent to a fishing trip, so nothing but respect. I know they have some casinos up there and uh, some Buffalo Bills fans, so I love me some Canada. It didn't happen to be in uh, Windsor, Canada. In Windsor, was it? That That's... Uh... That's a fine place up there for those establishments that you mentioned. And um, that's, that's really my experience with Canada, besides all the Canadian people I work with and talk with. And there are no nicer people in the world than Canadians. But I will 
stand by poutine being highly overrated. It's just cheese fries, right? That's all it is. Just cheese fries. You can get that anywhere. So don't disrespect cheese fries, but you mentioned Windsor. So let's go to, uh, let's go over the bridge to Michigan where you had that recent experience. Yeah. And this was fun because, you know, I missed a couple of weeks ago. I did a golf trip up in Northern Michigan with uh, some pals who live in Chicago, who I, who I knew growing up. And so they drove over, I flew up and I was excited because I was like, all right, back in the sports betting world here, baby. So I fired up my bet MGM app and deposited, got a little bit of a, a reload bonus. Cause I hadn't been, been, been on it in a while. I was like, here we go and try to make a bet and no, sir, not allowed. And it really gave me a good perspective of why FanDuel and DraftKings, I think, are at such a mega advantage, especially for people who kind of are in the fantasy and sports betting world, is I basically, for BetMGM, would have had to set up a brand new account under a totally different app than what I was already opened in Tennessee. And that is highly annoying as somebody who's a customer. Now, it's not bad in the sense of you do get a lot of the reload bonuses or the, not the, even the reload, the sign-on bonuses, the $1,500 free bet, all that kind of stuff that, that you normally get as a new customer. But the fact that I couldn't use my account that I'd already created in Tennessee to bet in Michigan was not a good experience whatsoever, where, for example, I could log on to my DK Sportsbook app and next thing you know is I've got not only the money that I had on DraftKings Sportsbook, but all the money I had on the DraftKings uh, Fantasy app, all available yeah. for me to wager. And that is a huge deal because whether you like it or not, whether you believe it or not, not everybody is an advantage player trying to get uh, the best bonuses, the best offers. Convenience matters for people. And it is mega convenient when you're crossing over. And, and like, I, I was thinking more about this and like, this is a problem that BetMGM needs to fix. And I say that because they clearly want to become a player and they are a player in a lot of markets. I mean, they're number one up there in Michigan, but if let's say they get a New York license and somebody lives in New Jersey, but they work in New York or vice versa, they're going to have to choose which app they're going to bet on on a given day because depending on where they're located, that can be a real headache for people who are crossing over from, uh, you know, state line to state line. And I think that's that it's going to get old really, really quick for people who fall into that. And again, this is me just espousing my thoughts on what they should and shouldn't do. But if I were them, because you can, you can, Tell me whether I'm right or wrong here on this in a second, Brett. But my understanding is the fact that that DraftKings and FanDuel also run fantasy and those wallets are connected allows them to do this. Where BetMGM, if you open up an account in Tennessee and then you want to play in Michigan, it's kind of considered across state lines because you made that kind of deposit over in, 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 on this side. This is what I was told. I don't I could be totally full of it. But the way the FanDuel and DraftKings get around it is the fact that they run fantasy games. Because I hadn't made a deposit on DraftKings Sportsbook in God knows how long. I had on, on, on the fantasy side of things. I've won a lot of money. I had a good account going there. And I was just able to roll it and, and spend it and play it right off the bat. So if I'm a BetMGM or I'm any book, if these are the rules, if these are the expectations of, of how you can basically have these apps cross state lines, I would go out and buy a fantasy sports company tomorrow, name it BetMGM Fantasy, and basically say, hey, we're playing by those rules. We're, we've got a fantasy product. We've got a shared wallet. Let us run our games the same way FanDuel and DraftKings do, because I think that's a nice advantage for those, a big advantage for those, for those companies. And it becomes a monumental advantage when you've got border States like New York and New Jersey, where you've got a ton of people crossing borders all the time. Okay. How full of shit am I with what I just said? Uh, not completely full of shit. I, I think you're, 
remember, BetMGM has that deal with with Yahoo already, and Yahoo is a distant third. Uh, but that's an affiliate I, deal. It's not even. Well, it's, no, it's not. You it, could you you go. It's a shared to, wallet deal. So like I, Yahoo, if I had a Yahoo Fantasy account, I could have played it on BetMGM. That I don't know, but I do know okay. if you go if you go to Yahoo, there are literally links or it, within their box scores, you can uh, you can click bet this side and it'll, it'll take you right into the MGM platform. So at least in terms of having the infrastructure or the relationship with the fantasy platform it's there i mean they're they're fully buy it outright because i my understanding is that that agreement is more of an affiliate agreement than anything that's my understanding because you know their goal is to get people yahoo's goal is to drive customers to bet mgm bet mgm doesn't own yahoo fantasy that's that's still owned by this company that's you know just bought Verizon or whatever yeah, that, yeah, that it's, deal it's, it's about to go through right so I mean I think it'd be a great acquisition target by them to buy Yahoo Fantasy spin off that Yahoo DFS product into BetMGM DFS and then do what I'm talking about but I think as it stands right now they don't have that ability at least that's my understanding there's not ownership if that's what you're saying but yeah. I think I'm not sure that that is the impediment that's going on i i, I okay. don't know where the, where the technological issue is for betmgm i think it's it's possible that there are some others that are allowing uh wallets to remain in existence cross state lines uh certainly that's an issue that that they need to solve and just for my benefit and the listeners the, you were prompted to download the michigan version of uh of i had to create I, I basically had to create a new account in michigan had to go through the whole steps of because it asks you, you know, what state are you are you in? Are you playing? And yeah. I have a Tennessee account all set up, got bets in. And when I tried to make a wager, it said, nope, you can't do that. You have to set up a brand new account in Michigan. And I had a few other people reach out to me um, on social saying like, yeah, I had to go through that headache. Uh, I think it might have even been in Pennsylvania. And they said, no, I just went ahead and, and decided to play DraftKings at that moment. And um, so, I mean, that was just a, a really just as a, as a basic user, just not a great experience. And again, I don't, I, I'm wondering if more people who have crossed state lines and have other apps, cause points bets, another one that I didn't try mm-hmm. at that point, I was like, well, I've got money in my DraftKings account. I want to bet on this golf tournament happening. I'm just going to use it. You know, I got money there done and done. But I probably should have tested to see if how that worked with other accounts or other sports books out there. Because, uh, again, I don't know the reasoning behind it. Maybe it is just a, a tech hurdle that they haven't been able to overcome. And my whole idea of not crossing state lines is, is full of it. But one person I asked said that was a, a reason why they did it. So um, I don't know. But yeah, that was, it was that was in my experience. It's pretty much a constant in every state. You have to have that geotechnology and most yeah. of them have geo comply. So it was my understanding is as long as you're in a state where it is legal and licensed, you should have access to the same wallet. Apparently that is not the case, but something for further exploration because uh, quite, sure. quite a quite an issue for customer retention. And like you said, it's people have proven to be a lot less price sensitive and a lot more uh, convenience and familiarity. Yeah. Uh, and, and believe me, if I was, I mean, I should have gone ahead and gotten a, what, thousand dollar free bet or whatever promo they they run they basically would allow you to do that mm-hmm. um but i was just lazy <laughs> i'm just lazy i didn't want to go through the sign up process the verification process and i don't even know if it would have been that hassle that big of a hassle because i'd signed up once already but once it got to that point i was like well let me see okay this works i'm just gonna roll with it but um, all in all, though, like, uh, you know, going up there, huge sportsbook presence everywhere. I mean, you've seen it up in New Jersey and, you know, we've seen, uh, you know, and this isn't a trash bet, bet MGM because here's the deal. They're crushing up there. Mm-hmm. They're doing really well. I think I, 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 if they're not the market leader, they're darn close to it in the state of Michigan. And, uh, and I know they're doing really well on casino. And that was the other thing that, I, that was very apparent to me is when I was even using the DraftKings Sportsbook app is right at the bottom. You know, it probably takes up, I don't want to say, an, uh, maybe an eighth of the screen. Play Blackjack. 
-hmm. you know, like they, they are clearly pushing customers to jump in that casino and play their high margin games as much as they possibly can, which from a business standpoint makes, you know, a ton of sense. And I'm sure you see the same thing in New Jersey, but there was no shame in it. It was like right there. And, um, it took me all of my might after all the beers I drank <laughs> not to press that button and, and say, okay, let's, let's, let's have some fun tonight. Um, so I was good. I stayed out of the, the, the blackjack, uh, room, but yeah, win, win $500 in John Rom and then go play uh, 15 hands of blackjack and <laughs> say goodbye. And they, they are crushing there. And, uh, we often joke, you know, we spend all this time writing about sports betting, but it is the eye gaming that is much more lucrative for them. And uh, they would probably celebrate market share there, uh, certainly above sports betting. So that's a uh, no doubt. good observation. And it's, it's only Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, um, somewhere else that, that, that there is that full-fledged eye gaming, but certainly the number is going to grow in the coming years, Connecticut soon. Yeah. And, and I think this just piggybacks onto the next talking point for us, because I'm kind of surprised this isn't mentioned in, this isn't brought up in, in what just kind of dropped today. And that's Florida, uh, basically a FanDuel and DraftKings or more or less spearheading an amendment that will uh, eventually, hopefully assuming they get enough signatures be on the uh, November 2022 ballot, which will uh, open up sports betting within the state of Florida. Florida's a tricky one. A um, lot of moving parts going on there. Uh, catch everybody up on exactly that story that dropped literally hours ago. And, um, and my point that I wanted to kind of just connect with Detroit or not Detroit, but Michigan was um, kind of surprised they didn't just go with iGaming as well. Why not go for the whole kit and caboodle? Why settle for just sports betting here when we know that iGaming is the true driver or the biggest driver of revenue? And it seems from what I've been reading is, you know, they've got some people behind them on the education side, which are going to be pushing this as well because they view it as a good opportunity for education to be funded. So uh, your thoughts, catch us up a little bit on this because it literally just went down a few hours ago. Some quick background for anybody just catching up. Florida legislator legislature uh, did legalize sports betting by way of approving the new Seminoles Florida Compact. Of course, that compact is very favorable to the Seminoles and they would more or less have a monopoly over sports betting. The big unknown there is that we don't know if the Department of the Interior, which is responsible for uh, federally recognized tribes and, and, and their compacts will approve that because it um, doesn't necessarily comport with existing laws. And, and that is the, the big issue is, is whether or not the uh, statewide wagers can be considered made in Seminole land. So I, to handicap whether they approve it or not, I don't know, 50-50. And then there's the issue of the uh, a recent 2018 constitutional amendment that was passed by an overwhelming margin and requires that Florida voters approve any changes to, to gaming in the state. So that's the backdrop. Obviously, DraftKings, FanDuel, and others who are happy to let them lead the charge are not thrilled because uh, the Seminoles will basically entirely control the market. So they want to put this on the 2022 ballot. I assume they will get the signatures, something like 10%. And so all signs are pointing that it will be on the ballot in 2022. And I guess not that far away. We're in June 21 at this point. So number one, we're going to find out if the uh, new Seminoles compact goes through and they have a very controlled market there by way of hard rock uh, as their brand or I mean, it makes a lot of sense for, for anyone else who wants to get into the market to uh, do it by way of a belt referendum. And something similar yep. is going to play out in California. Yeah, I got some thoughts on this because uh, I think it's, it's, super cur it's super interesting because it can go a lot of ways. Because, uh, you know, you think it's 50-50. I, I think it's more like 20-80, like 20% it actually sports betting part of the compact goes through 80% it gets pulled. I, I just can't fathom them being able to justify 
on tribal lands when you're talking about a server and yet I can bet it from my house, which is not a tribal land. Like I don't, I, and given, you know, when that, when that was written, there was no internet, you know, times have changed. That's the argument that I think they can make. But I think at the end of the day, there's probably been enough cases that have made it clear that that doesn't hold muster. And my prediction, again, it's worth nothing is that I think that the sports bet, the mobile sports betting component of the um, of the compact's going to get pulled out. I think the rest of the compact's going to happen, and it's still plenty good for the Seminoles. They're still going to have land-based uh, casinos in or land-based betting in their casinos. I don't think that's going to change. I just think this idea that mobile betting in my house is it can happen on tribal land is 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 thin. So. Then I think the real question is, assuming that happens, I think the question needs to be asked is, maybe the Seminoles go along with this. Maybe they're saying, you know what, we're on board because I ask you, what's the better position to be if you're them? Is it better to have a monopoly in land-based casino betting with no other, land-based sports betting with no other sports betting or be the sole company that has land-based sports betting, but also be able to be a part of a competitive mobile betting landscape. You don't own all of mobile betting, but you obviously have a seat at the table. You obviously can have a brand and you can make money as a, as, as a, as an operator. What do you think is the better situation for them? Because me personally, looking at the numbers that we've seen in other States, it's all in mobile. So even if you're 30% of the total handle uh, out of all the different sports books that come in, you're going to make more money in that 30% than you will as a lone land-based operator. That's my take. So I think they're waiting to see what happens. And once that happens, they're going to decide, okay, we're going to lobby against this. If they can their mobile component goes through on the compact. And if it doesn't, I think they could in theory be on board because it's a way for them to be able to run mobile sports betting, which is where the money's at. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And certainly the Seminoles have continued to do what is best for the Seminoles. They've, mm-hmm. uh, they paid a shitload of money in, a <clears throat> in tax dollars. And now they're obligated. If this stands about 500 million a year, um, of course, they'll have they'll be able to open another casino. To your point, it certainly makes a lot more sense to me to, to be a participant, in some extent, in a in a mobile sports betting market and tap into a slightly different demographic. You know, have their contact information, bring them into uh, the casinos where they're they're already doing quite well. They've held on to exclusivity as long as they can, and and they, they why not? They should. That's uh. And they still a, have it mostly on the on the actual casino side of things, right? And, and maybe, and that's where the money's at. I mean, we we talk about it all the time. Sports betting's great, but it's not a high margin business. You know, I mean, it, it's you got to do crazy big volume to be making the vo- making the money that you see in casino, where it's just night and day. So, I mean, I. How greedy can you be? And I don't mean that in a bad way because they're running a business. Their their goal is to to make as much money as they can. But at the end of the day, like I think we we agree here. Like it's better to be part of something than not a part of anything at all, where you can actually drive a little bit of revenue. Yeah, and and perhaps that is a uh, a segue into the iGaming. Maybe that comes a year or two later either by referendum or however else they might accomplish it, but they begin collecting a database of iGaming people. And, and again, another demographic to get people yeah. into their properties. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, it's, it's somewhat tongue in cheek when I say they should have just gone all in and done iGaming and sports betting. That probably is a little bit too risky because I think you can make the argument around sports betting a lot easier than you can around iGaming uh, in terms of, uh, lobbying it to the public, to the public, and you know the Seminoles in particular. I I don't I don't think 
they want iGaming unless they own iGaming. That's my feeling. Yeah, agreed. And, and yeah. In, in, every, in almost every state, it's been incremental. You know, yeah. states that had had no casino industry, they begin with sports betting like Tennessee, like Virginia, and states like New Jersey and Michigan that have had a longstanding casino industry. It's a lot more palatable to people there to, uh, yeah. to, to add iGaming as well. And that'll probably happen in Indiana the next year or two also. So, you know, a lot of this is buy-in from uh, constituents as well as the lawmakers representing those uh, constituents. Yeah. And I've said it before in the show, I'll say it again. I, and again, Dave has not called me on it. Here's your chance to do it. I don't believe there's ever been a sports betting amendment referendum on a ballot that hasn't passed. That's correct. It's uh, yeah. undefeated. Washington, undefeated. Washington Post has put out attitudes have changed so dramatically since PASPA went through uh, nationally. It's something like 61% approve of states being able to allow to decide the only thing that has happened on, on that front, it's not ballot referendum, but there have been two governors that have vetoed yeah. uh, legislation in Maine, which we can talk about uh, next. And also in Michigan, an outgoing governor put, that, put the kibosh, but they, uh, they got that reversed quickly. Yeah. So get it on the ballot and more than likely you're going to see sports betting. And I think that's what FanDuel and DraftKings, I think that was their pivot off of kind of what happened with the, with the compact. So um, we will see. But uh, I will definitely be keeping close eyes on that. All right, Maine, you mentioned. Um, where are we at with that? It sounds like uh, we're 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 going back to the governor again, who said no once. Why did I believe it's a she? Why did she say no the first time? And why would her mind change this time? Yeah, this Maine has been an interesting one because I guess I'll start by rewinding a little bit in 2020 maybe in 2019, they, they passed a pretty terrific law, terrific uh, for the consumer that would have allowed a lot of different sports books online, no so-called tethering, which means that the online sports book has to have some relationship with, with an existing casino. What happened was the uh, casino lobby won, and this was led largely by Penn National. I don't think they've, they've denied it. And to a lesser extent, Churchill Downs, there are not many casinos or horse tracks in Maine, but apparently they had quite a lot of pull and uh, the governor, after having the law sit on her desk for a while, she vetoed it saying, I loosely uh, paraphrased that she was not convinced that the people of Maine were ready to, to add, this, uh, <clears throat> add this to their gaming menu. Um, the, the truth is the casino lobby won and they won again because this law is going to require that tethering there will be somewhere between 12 and 14 online sports book available, which is certainly better than one or two or only, only being able to bet on foot. Uh, anyone, you know, any recreational better uh, ought to be glad that this has happened. And uh, there was a lot of wrangling. It got done. Actually, the bill sponsor ended up voting against it because he was so ticked that. off. Louis <laughs> Lucini, uh <laughs> because just outraged by the tethering and uh, it got done. It's on her desk and it's, it's the version that the casino lobby wants. So I think uh, first quarter, 2022, there ought to be some, some of the usual suspects available in, uh, in Maine, certainly Barstool sports book. And I would imagine uh, most of the other big players as well. So we're going to have a very clear picture of whether or not, um, you know, she is uh, being convinced by the casino lobby here because that's the only big difference here is they didn't like the last bill. They liked this one. And, you know, it's, it's sports. It's the same thing. It's just sports betting before versus sports. betting. like, like, I mean, this is the hypocrisy around legislating that just drives me freaking crazy <laughs> in this world is that people will change their mind because X, Y, and Z told them to when, you know, there's no good reason for it except somebody. And I don't want to use the term greasing a pocket or anything along those lines. Maybe they're, they're, they're probably making donations above board just like they can, but they're making their decisions based on that. Not what's in the necessarily the interest of the people there. Cause this will be two times now that people have said, Hey, you know, their, their lawmakers have said, Hey, this, this is ready to go through. So you know, I mean, I don't think it's a bad thing that she's going to be a hypocrite here because it'll be good to bring betting up there. 
but it's something that just drives me crazy as an observer from afar is when the same issue comes up and people suddenly have different opinions because other people tell them to drives me crazy. Um, all right. A couple of quick hitters for us. Uh, this is a couple of weeks old and there's like this, this negative report about DraftKings by this Hindenburg group. I don't even know much about it. It kind of blew up in the morning. And then it seemed like by three o'clock, everybody's like, yeah, this company has a bunch of shorts on DraftKings. They're trying to, uh, you know, make money on. And that's why they came out with this report, which is again, just kind of back to like, it's insane that this kind of stuff can happen where like, Clearly, a company was incentivized to have a stock go down, so they more or less put out a hit piece about a group, hope that happens so they can make money. Maybe it happens every day in the financial markets, but man, um, is that kind of what happened here? Because this seemed awfully random to suddenly come out with by this, uh, I believe it was Hindenburg group, right? Yeah, they. Uh, I don't think that they have a ton of credibility. They've been write about a couple things before, but it's it's more or less, from what I've gathered, advocacy research or, or journalism, and they did note that they had a short position on DraftKings, and at two to three hours, the uh, stock was ding a little bit. The, the, the crux of the research and determination they put out is that <clears throat> SB Tech, the, uh, the platform that they acquired in, uh, when they went public via that uh, SPAC, deal is is that SB Tech is uh, operating in illegally in a number of countries, including Iran and China, and they offered some IP data to that effect. But I think anyone who knows the industry knows that this is not at all surprising, and I'm not sure yeah. how, how culpable or not they are for any of SB Tech's activity. I guess it is still occurring, and I imagine... Um, DraftKings is distancing it, itself from that. But the, the reaction of financial analysts and I guess most of the industry was uh, a collective shrug. Yeah. So that was, uh, yeah, that was pretty hot for uh, for a day or two, but ultimately I, I think not impactful. Did so, I, I saw a screenshot somewhere where like their, their website was down. Like, do we think like DraftKings is going to like sue them or something about this report? Or is there any, any truth to this? Uh, because I mean, we know that you know they're a big big company they don't want to be bullied around and you know it's not good for business to suddenly have people dropping reports to try and you know potentially advantage you know their their standing within a stock and you know maybe they disclosed it like maybe that makes it above board but that doesn't make it right um any truth to that or is that just yes you're that somebody you're posted? Ref you're referencing a screen cap that Brett Smiley posted on. Oh, Slack. that was you. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was just curious if uh, anything had changed in their report. And a couple of days ago, I guess Monday, the, the site was down and the research unavailable. It's back up without a doubt. The DraftKings folks sent uh, a cease and desist to them. And I'm sure there's some litigation pending and uh, they're calling for a temporary restraining order or something. It's possible also that the SEC got involved. I, I'm yeah. not a, financial market expert, but uh, a couple folks believe that for the reasons you said, uh, manipulation of, of the stock, that there could be some activity there too. I, I think in the next week or two, we'll find out more uh, if anything has happened there. Yeah, I think the, uh, the stock has recovered nicely. So a uh, bit of a non-story, but interesting just in, a, in the grand scheme of things. Um, all right, final thing for us too, before we get to our Ask Newbie question, but Newbie's not here. So it's going to be an Ask Smiley question. All right. I had one lined up for Newbie, but he's not here. Um, <laughs> DC, uh, it's interesting because there's going to be betting very soon, right around all around DC, because Virginia's already launched. Maryland uh, looks like it's going to be happening uh, sometime, maybe early next year. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong on that timeline, but DC has had it for a little bit of time now. But nobody's betting there. So what's the latest? Because it sounds like there might be a, a chance to maybe rectify some problems that they had when they uh, decided to come up with their their regulations around sports betting. Washington, D.C. has been a fascinating story from the outset. They were among the first to, to have real thorough discussions about whether to legalize or not. Ultimately, they did. And uh, 
the DC lottery was granted uh, by the DC council, basically monopoly status. They even bypassed uh, a competitive bidding process. The result is this thing called Gambit DC, which is their sports betting app. The only one available citywide and it's, and they've conceded it's not even supposed to be like a real sports book, but some sort of lottery bastardization of it where the odds are just so comically inferior that uh, it is not picked up. And, you know, that's. And Who yes, has right. this contract, by the way? Intralot. Intralot, Intralot. is a Greek, Greek company that is largely lottery stuff. And mm -hmm. the product they put out in Montana and Oregon has been a total flop. And I think uh, the D.C. Council is starting to realize it. This whole thing smelled funny from from the outset. The fact that the the lottery was very eager eager to give it to Intralot in the first place, and uh, especially with like you said, this proximity to Maryland to DC, and just the amount of people that are transients or commuters in and out, I, people are just not going to use that. And no. Virginia and, and Maryland are going to have fairly competitive markets with roughly fifteen to twenty sports books at least. A piece. So uh, hopefully this is a learning experience for them. I, I believe they have the ability per the legislation to change gears and perhaps make it more competitive. But the, the amount of money is generated so far is, is just completely comical. I think it's about 250,000 through the app through through the first three quarters of a financial year. So it's it's absurd. It's not surprising. And uh, hopefully they pivot for the benefit of people who do live in DC. Hey, even for just the people of DC, I mean, you want to get some tax revenue, you know, from people who are sports betting. Like you said, nobody is going to use that joke of an app or book or whatever the heck you want to call it when you've got a dozen other real options that you can use. But this also kind of goes back to the point that I talked about, even with Michigan is I, I do think it's important. These books have some continuity between them. Um, when you've got these different jurisdictions and, uh, and, you know, kind of comes full circle on that. And, and I think it's going to be important as more, especially in, in a, in a place where you have people working in one play in one city or one state or city state, whatever it might be. And then living somewhere else. Uh, I think it's the experience is, I think that's almost more important than anything. And I think that's the one thing that I think a lot of times gambling Twitter uh, gets too much into the weeds about, you know, man, this, the straddle's too high. They're taking too much out. 95% of the people don't give a shit about that. I, I, I got news for you. They don't. Should they? Sure. They should. I make this point on this show all the time. Came from the world of DFS where there were sites that ran rake, free content you could play their site for free versus each other site wasn't taking any fees from it people still didn't play it why because it wasn't convenient for them it wasn't what they're used to it wasn't the biggest prizes that's what people care about so um interesting brett uh okay we got to do our final because i forgot about this ask brett so i was gonna ask newbie this question because and i still might ask him next week but I don't feel it's as good because he'll be prepared for it. It's more fun when he doesn't know what's coming. So um, I ask you, what is the Brett Smiley go-to karaoke song? Oh, if you're okay. going to do karaoke, what is the song that you're going to step up and just crush? Good question. And there's been a slight evolution. My go-to karaoke song probably through my i've got an idea i'm curious What's to hear your, what you say no i've already determined it i I've, i even wrote it down i want to know your guess first i was gonna say it's something related to bon jovi oh my god it's bon jovi runaway oh, You're right. look at that that this was fantastic i know you better than you even knew i got the weight <laughs> belt and i got bon, that you're a bon jovi guy unbelievable that I'm, I am quite impressed, uh, but I will. Runaway I'll, I'll, isn't the first, wasn't probably the top one that I'd go with. Yeah. But um, interesting that that that's it. Huh? Wow. Yes. But I have moved away from that a little bit. It's uh, gone back to my roots a little bit. If I were to do it today, it'd probably be Pearl Jam alive. I, I love me some Pearl Jam. Love yeah. me some Pearl Jam. I don't, the, the problem with Pearl Jam 
And I think it's important when you're doing karaoke is you want to do something that people love and are familiar with and can kind of sing along. I don't know if a live fits that category as like a great karaoke song because I mean, you don't hear that song that all that often. Like you might be able to crush it, but I do think having the audience involved in caring about what you're singing kind of matters a little bit in karaoke where Bon Jovi, it's like, everybody loves some freaking Bon Jovi. Like, I don't care who you are. You love it. So yeah, that, that's fair. But enthusiasm in the performance and being able to sing it without reading uh, just style and performance. That's important too. But I mean, it's fair. Alive is not exactly a happier uplifting song, but you can, you can get some real, power behind it what's your song the found oh, song? Man, it's you know i knew you were gonna ask and a i'm not a karaoke guy i really haven't been for a while the only time i ever do it is if like my wife and i are like on a cruise ship or something and it's like i'm away from humanity and like i know i'll never see these people again in my entire life <laughs> so uh it's usually like we usually like to belt out a little bit of uh love shack like it's mm. a good duet song that again, I think falls into that category of songs that people know. You hear the 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 hook, and you're like, okay, we're in on it. And it's a good little uh, you know duet that you don't take yourself too seriously with. So that's a high that. percentage high percentage song. Can't fault you for that one. I wonder what newbie would have picked. Like he who I I don't know. Like honestly, I I don't know. He shocked me so much to this point, especially with the Eagle Scout thing. Like I, I don't. Yeah. I, I have it, no idea. It'd probably be some sort of like modern rap tune would be my guess. Cause he's, he's one of these young kids. I, you know, I was going to guess like the killers, Mr. Brightside, but maybe Ooh. that's uh that's a little too modern. I, I like that. That's, that's good. I could, I could sing along on that one a little bit, but um, we'll, we'll save that one for next week, but uh, boys and girls, we thank you so much for checking us out. We are the get a grip podcast and you can do us a huge favor. Leave us a review on iTunes or on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, that helps us out, you know, moves us up the little ranking. So when people search sports betting or gambling, they'll find this podcast. And we think we do a pretty good job with it. And if you're new to the show too, don't feel like you should go and listen to the old episodes because most of the stuff we're talking about is like evergreen. It doesn't really go away. So it's a lot of sports betting topics. And uh, I think it's highly relevant even today, stuff that we talked about a couple of months ago. So, uh, Brett, I really appreciate you pinch hitting here today. It was great to talk with you. And, uh, you know, Sherpan and I will be back uh, next week. Two of us will be back together talking more sports betting. Again, find us at Sports Handle. If you haven't checked out that website, bookmark it. And uh, if you uh, want to stay up on top of all the latest news around sports betting, uh, they are the site to go to. So for Brett Smiley, I am Dan Bach. Find me at Dan underscore Bach, B-A-C-K on Twitter. And we'll talk to you again next week here on the Get a Grip podcast. See you, everybody.